It is. It's me. It's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. And it is so hard for me to sit back here in this studio listening to some guy out there hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in casinos from one side of this continent to the other than you made. You're talking to the Lambo watch wearing, diamond ring wearing, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! <laughs> Welcome to episode 82 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I break that one out sparingly. I break that one out when I'm fired up about something gone wrong in the Casino Combat Galaxy. As I said, doesn't happen very often, but I am. I'm fired up. The wrongs that have been committed cannot be righted. And I'm going to tell you all about that in just a second. We do have some problems in the Casino Combat Galaxy. Non-binary persons, gentlemen, ladies, Bo, Luke, and Daisy Duke. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in facts, names, and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted to prevent listener boredom. And we are about that. I don't want anybody out there to be bored. We have a lot going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy this week, both positive and negative. I'm going to get to all of that in just a minute. First, let me quickly set out the battle plan for this episode so you know what to expect. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry, I'm fired up. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'm in a bit of a rush to get where I want to be here. Welcome. If this is your first time, if this is a regular occurrence for you, if this is your next time, I appreciate you taking your time to listen. And I hope over the next whatever it's going to be, 45 to 60 minutes to earn the privilege of the time you've decided to spend with me today. I am grateful and appreciative. For episode 82, we are going to have a very traditional, very true-to-the-originals plan of attack. Once we are all caught up in what is going on in the galaxy, we will do a core concept segment and briefly discuss a detail related to Blackjack to determine if it impacts the house advantage. We will then share a moment of casino wisdom so that I can revisit an important casino wisdom and show it to you from a very different point of view. We will have a travel segment so I can share results and observations from my gambling the past couple weeks with you, and we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge where I will be joined by author extraordinaire Charlie Frere, and we are going to discuss an aspect of human nature that we all need to be aware of when we are at a casino. There you are, simple, straightforward, and aspiring to be informative and entertaining. That is what we are going to try to do. As for the Casino Combat Galaxy, I've got a societal problem that... Honestly, I'm probably going to go on a bit of a rant about, but first we have very good news. Let me get to the good news first. This is very positive news. The mission is complete. The inner circle is full. I was privileged just recently to accept a successful application from Story Wizard, who becomes the newest member of the inner circle and is 10th to the ring. Story Wizard has been listening for a while. As we were getting acquainted, I realized from reviewing the Fred logs that he first contacted us almost half a year ago for a copy of the Slot Tactics ebook and one of East Coast Emissary's wagering system charts. So he's been a member of our squad for quite a while. I'm thrilled that he took the time to sort out where my home casino is and to become the final member of the Casino Combat Inner Circle. As an added bonus, he does some of his gambling in a casino that I visit every oh, six to eight weeks. It's about two and a half hours west and north of where we live, so the two of us will hopefully get a chance to meet in real life and hang out a bit at some point in the future. When I officially announced 
the game. When when the Golden fan expressed an interest in figuring out where my home casino was, and that was a thing I'd built into the podcast from episode one. So we're at episode 22, and she's decided to play, and, and I reveal the game to everybody. Look, I had no idea if anyone beyond the Golden fan would take the time to try to put the pieces together. And the idea that 10 of you would be kind enough to play along seemed a bit crazy. So as a result, I said that the inner circle would be limited to 10 members, the first 10 listeners to apply correctly. The inner circle is full. But many of you have enjoyed the game within the podcast. In fact, as I write this, I have another listener who's trying to play the game. Maybe I should try to play the game. (laughs) Um, We have another listener who's playing and, and trying to join the inner circle. And they have two more applications remaining. I want to reward people who may still be sorting through things from the point of view of like episode 50 or something like that. I I don't want to get an application in three weeks and say to them, well, thanks for playing, but in episode 82, we we got our final member. Sorry. I mean, that doesn't seem fair to them. And it also doesn't seem fair from my point of view to say there will only be 10 inner circle members and then keep adding people to the group. That doesn't seem right either. So here's what I'm going to do. And this demonstrates clearly that A, I am making this stuff up as I go along and B, that I have zero military background. You see, the correct military term for a new group of 10 unique and special people would be to call them the green squad or the yellow squad or the uh, the red chip squad or it's something. Squad would be the right word for ten, for a group of 10 in the military. But myself, the people beside the microphone, Gabriel, T-Rex, Billy with the great last name, the walking Wikipedia, all of you who've taken the time to listen and participate and be involved from my point of view, anyone and everyone involved with the podcast is welcome to consider themselves part of our squad if that's what they want to do. I guess that's my way of admitting that I know the numbers are wrong for this. If you've been in the military, you know I'm wrong about this. But I'm happy to announce today that going forward, the next 10 people to correctly determine the name of my home casino, which is Casino 2, will become members of the Excelsior Brigade of Casino Combat. And with any luck, we will have our first member to that group to announce very, very soon. With that good news, that very good news out of the way that we've found our last Inner Circle member, allow me to get very, very serious, and I'm a bit fired up, and I'm angry, and honestly, I'm just plain pissed off. Over the course of the past week or so, I have experienced multiple examples of gambling phobia, the irrational fear of gamblers and gambling, this outdated, ignorant behavior of discriminating against anyone and anything involved with gambling. Let me give you some rather trivial illustrations, and then I'll get to the most bothersome offense that has happened in the past week or so. My middle son, the mad scientist, is currently doing a significant upgrade to the Casino Combat website. One of the things we want to do on the site is to collect the email addresses of anyone who is interested in the podcast, who would like to be on a mailing list so that at some point in the future, I can send out information like, hey, everyone, in six weeks, Mrs. TRG and I will be in Atlantic City from this day to this day. If you're going to be there, let us know. Just easy organizational things like that to keep anyone interested informed. So my son selects a software tool that's appropriate to the task and starts setting up an account with this free software. And one of the things we have to do was demonstrate that we were following U.S. law as it relates to gathering and using individual email addresses, that we were going to do it properly, that we were going to have permission, that we were going to let people opt out, all those things. So I completed the forms honestly and accurately, stating that emails would be collected either by completing a form or by giving consent when material related to the podcast was downloaded. Seemed like pretty straightforward stuff. I got a request for more information, and I provided the name of the podcast and a brief description of what it's about. 
our request to use this free software was denied because part of the software terms of service state that the software can't be used for gambling. And I pushed back and I said, we're not doing any gambling. It's a podcast that teaches responsible and skilled gambling, but there's no gambling going on. I said that, in fact, the podcast's purpose was to entertain and educate to the best of our abilities. And I got a hard no as a reply. And I pushed back harder. And I was a bit angry about the bigotry at that point. I pointed out to them that if the podcast was about investing in cryptocurrency or making your own personal crypto coin or the stock market or NFTs, they would have no objection to any of that. To any educated person, to any open-minded person, to any informed person, those are all forms of gambling. Forms of gambling that their company would consider acceptable and that the risk associated with buying either crypto or an NFT was significantly greater than the risks associated with gambling the way I gamble with a relatively small amount of money. That email was ignored. They didn't even have the courtesy to reply because the gambling phobic bigots feel justified in their bigotry. I ran into another example of gaming phobia, gambling phobia recently, and I, that came while I was doing some research on a side project. You see, as the podcast continues to grow, it seems like it may be time to put some additional structure around it. We are moving a bit beyond a guy talking into the air in his office because he's getting a little stir-crazy from a pandemic, and he's hoping maybe someone will listen. The squad is growing. Our content is growing. The intellectual property needs to be protected. Donations and advertising revenues need to be handled properly. All of that kind of stuff. So I've been looking into forming a company to do all that. The logical name for the company would be something like Casino Combat Podcast Incorporated or Casino Combat Media Incorporated or something like that. And those very reasonable names throw off all kinds of red flags in the legal and banking industries in the United States. Those industries have a 1950s puritanical view of gamblers and gambling. They don't bother to look outside their built-in bigotry to see the truth. Very literally, they can't handle the truth. And this is the truth. Within 45 minutes of my home, there is a full-service casino and two racetracks with casinos filled with slot machines. I can gamble on the lottery if I choose to. A horrible bet, by the way. You notice I never talk about lottery. I can gamble on the lottery almost anywhere, everywhere, gas stations, drugstores, grocery stores, almost anywhere. By this time next year, I'll be able to legally bet on sports from an app on my phone anywhere in the state. Why in this world would there be a stigma associated with creating a company that operates to educate and entertain people engaged in those activities? There shouldn't be. This is just an old rule from an old time. This is an old mindset from an old time. So what's the result of all this bigotry? I'll name the company something generic. Something like Pathfinder Media Services or something like that. And I'll fill out all the documents to indicate correctly that we produce education and entertainment content on a variety of platforms, all of which is true. And then everybody will be fine with that. And they'll be fine with that because they will have forced me to hide what we really do to make them comfortable in their bigotry. Now to the worst of it. I received a heartfelt email last week from Inner Circle member Ozzy Alba, seventh to the ring someone who I have come to regard as a right good mate, as he would say. And he wrote to inform me that he works in the nuclear power industry and he's getting ready to apply for a security clearance. And as a result, he has to end his monthly donation to support the podcast, scrub all his social media of any interactions with the podcast and end all communications with me. The gambling phobic bigots who are going to review his application would consider 
giving the podcast a few dollars a month and liking an Instagram picture that Billy posts for me, a sign of poor moral character. Those are my words. Those aren't his, but imagine that emailing me and listening to me talk about how to be a skilled and responsible gambler would cause a security application to be denied. Again, if I was teaching you how to create a crypto coin or an NFT or how to speculate in those areas with real money, these same people would think I was edgy and cool and that those activities are respectable. I lost a friend and some financial support last week because of outdated, bigoted thinking. And it is so very frustrating to confront this again and again and again. And I'm sorry for the rant. My hope is that at some point, someone listening to this will understand that how they got treated isn't okay. That There's nothing wrong with being good at the game of casino gambling. And eventually, these bigots are going to get educated and it's going to change. It is, but it is frustrating right now um <laughs> okay now actually this is excellent uh the the segment originally as prepared stopped right there and and i introduced the next segment i just got an email it's so great it, it actually it's a better way to end this segment it's a more uplifting way to end this segment uh maybe i can just calm down a minute here i, I want to share this with all of you jc has been the point person in philly chasing down the details on the law as it relates to collecting unredeemed change slips from the slot payout kiosk. We've been talking about this a bit recently. JC just sent an email saying that a conversation was had with a casino rep on this topic, someone who works for Harris and JC was informed that all those slips, they get left on the ground or on the machines. Those all get collected. If that occurs by a casino rep or a casino staff member, and they have a bin, and the money is given to local charities. JC said to the rep, isn't that a crime? Shouldn't Harris be charged for redeeming another player's winnings? And they both had a good laugh out of it. So the money's going to a good cause. Harris is undoubtedly taking a tax deduction for their donation, but it's going to a good cause. And it doesn't sound like, at least from the point of view of that casino rep at that Harris, that they are too worried about charging anyone with a crime if someone else happens to collect those slips. So we're informed. We're educated. We're informed. We know what's going on. We can make choices accordingly. I really appreciate JC being on top of this for all of us on our behalf, for reporting in, for running this down, for figuring it out. And and it is the final part of this email that, that really kind of got to me. It, it did. And JC said, if you ever want to know PA or New Jersey gaming conditions, you have boots on the ground. So screw the bigots. We're a squad. We are growing. We have boots on the ground all over this globe. Thanks, JC. That made my day. Okay. I think the next thing we are supposed to discuss is an aspect of the core concepts. I'm not going to go through all the core concepts today. We're redoing the website. We will have all that information available there, explaining exactly what the core concepts are when the upgrade goes live in the very near future. And if you go to our YouTube channel, there is a playlist called Boot Camp. Camp is spelled with a K if you're searching for it. But this playlist covers all aspects of the core concepts in short 10 to 15 minute segments. As much as possible, I skip the stories, the jokes, uh, I guess the comments on society, the, the playlist just teaches the basics of good fundamental gambling. It does it in less than 90 minutes. All of the core concepts are covered there in detail. The first of the core concepts is learn a game with a minimum, which is to say very small house advantage. You need to know a wager 
that has a, a very, very uh, low house win percentage. And I've run through the math for you on several occasions and shown that other than sports betting, poker, and the odds bet on a craps table, blackjack played using basic strategy is the casino game with the smallest house advantage. As a result, I do most of my gambling at a blackjack table. What I wanted to discuss today is an aspect of dealer behavior and or house procedure and, and sort out if it matters to us as players. And the issue on my mind is the placement of the cut card after the shuffle. Let me expand on this for those who are not fully familiar with the process. Leaving continuous shuffle machines out of the conversation for just a few minutes, after cards are shuffled at a blackjack table, either by a machine or by the dealer, a player is given a chance to cut the cards. Once the cards are cut, in most casinos, the portion of the cards behind the cut card are placed at the front of the deck of cards, and then the dealer inserts the cut card somewhere near the back of the deck. When that card is reached during play, the hand in progress is the last hand before the cards are shuffled. Operationally, the most Basic purpose for this is to make sure that hands can be played to completion in all cases. The house does not want to create a situation where all players cannot be dealt two cards or a hit or split multiple times. There are not enough cards to do that. Imagine a situation where the last player receives two eights. They split and get another eight. They split again. The next card is a two and the player wants to double and there are no more cards remaining. It's difficult to find a fair outcome from this situation. So the cut card, at a minimum, must be placed to avoid creating this situation. However, there are other reasons for the house to control cut card placement. The more cards there are behind the cut card, the lower the chances that a card counter or advantage player gets an opportunity to take advantage of a good count. A card counter would like to see as much of the deck as possible, and often the advantage will occur for them when they are, there are very few cards remaining. I've seen some casinos where for this reason, in a six-deck game, almost three decks are cut out and unplayable after every shuffle. That's to protect the game against card counters. Interestingly, cut card procedures vary from state to state, in casino to casino, sometimes even dealer to dealer. In some ca casinos, how many decks are cut out of play is just, as I said, randomly determined by the dealer. This seems to be the case at my local casino. Some dealer will cut the car, put the cut card near the back of the deck, and some will cut out almost half of an eight-deck shoe. At my home casino, Casino 2, there is a mark or a notch near the back of the shoe, and after the player has cut the cards, the decks are lined up with the back of the shoe, and the cut card is inserted in line with that mark. So at my home casino, the, the cut card is placed consistently. The cut is always the same for each dealer and each shoe. The question becomes, does it matter if you are not counting cards. When I noticed how much variation existed in this aspect at my local casino, knowing from my days as a card counter that it mattered a great deal when I was counting, I decided to do some research. I found a variety of opinions, but when I got to the actual math, the determination is that for a basic strategy player who is not counting cards, the placement of the cut card does not matter. The house advantage is not impacted. In fact, if anything, over time, the house advantage is actually a bit smaller the more cards are cut out of the deck. That seemed a little counterintuitive to me, so allow me to explain. For a basic strategy player, the fairest game is a freshly cut set of cards. All cards available, all cards in play. Once cards are played, the house advantage, or in some case disadvantage, depends on which cards have been removed from the deck through play. 
the more low-value cards, mid-value cards that have been removed, the more tens and aces that remain, the more the game favors the player. So, a process of shuffle, deal, shuffle, deal, would be the fairest game for someone not counting cards. But that downtime to shuffle is time that the house isn't making money. I found an analysis that said that cutting three decks out of an eight-deck game instead of cutting two decks out of an eight-deck game costs a Las Vegas casino over $100,000 per dealer per year in lost revenue from time spent shuffling. That's a conflict for the house. Cut out more cards to stop the small percentage of players who can really hurt the house by counting cards or get more hands per dealer per shift by cutting out less cards. Strangely, cutting out more cards and playing less hands per hour is better for those of us who don't count cards and just play basic strategy and manage our money and our wagers. That's what I wanted to learn. My card counting background caused me to assume less cards cut out was better for me and I should look for those dealers at my local casino who cut the cards that way, who placed the cut card that way, is better to say that. And in fact, the exact opposite is true. I need to look for the dealers that cut out a lot of cards. The added benefit is that the more frequent shuffles mean more downtime with no money at risk while still earning tier credits. Nice little upside, nice little thing to know. One more topic that I hope a few of you are thinking about, maybe even screaming at your device, something like, TRG, what about continuous shuffle tables? I thought you didn't like those. I hope some of you out there started thinking that when I said shuffle, play, shuffle, play was the fairest game for us as basic strategy players. It is true. All rules being equal and procedures followed correctly, a continuous shuffle game is the fairest for a basic strategy player. Now, the house uses continuous shuffle for two reasons. To make card counting impossible and to prevent the loss of over $100,000 per dealer per year in time spent shuffling cards, not dealing hands. That makes a lot of sense if you are the house. And it is true, I'm not a fan of continuous shuffle games, and let's unpack why. First, continuous shuffle games are the fairest game for a basic strategy player, all other rules being equal. That's the first problem. In my experience, continuous shuffle games are often low limit games with very poor rules, often only paying six to five for a blackjack or having other poor rules. That's not all things being equal. That's find a better game with better rules. Don't play that game. And that's nothing to do with the shuffle as much as it is the six to five, what you can double, what you can split, all of those types of things. And I also said, and procedures are followed correctly. Now, I've never had training to be a blackjack dealer. So this is simply observation over the years. This is, as they say, anecdotal. As it has been explained to me, the procedure is supposed to be that as players bust, the cards are collected and placed in the discard rack, and then the hand is played. The winners are paid, the bets of the losing players are collected, and the cards are scooped and placed in the discard bin. For the game to be fairest for basic strategy players, those cards need to be returned to the shuffler after the hand is complete. But a lot of dealers don't do that. They deal three or four hands and then put the cards back in the shuffler. If those hands contain lots of aces and tens, the player is at a disadvantage. And I'm not saying that dealers intentionally decide when to return cards from the discard rack to the game, but it always bugs me that more of the cards that help me win are in the discard bin. I actually had a conversation about this with a pit boss at the Bellagio once, and he tried to tell me that the cards needed to sit there for a few hands in case a hand needed to be reviewed because a player thought there was a mistake. My reply was, okay, I get that, but then shouldn't the cards in the bin 
be returned before the current hand is completed, not after? I mean, sure, at any given moment, you can review the last three hands, then this hand is played, and now we can't review the most recent hand because those cards are back in play. And at that very moment, the pit boss decided they had something else to attend to, and the conversation didn't go forward. Isn't that ironic? Funny how that happens. Based on the research I've done, if you can find a table with fair rules, three to two, reasonable splitting, reasonable doubling, and a continuous shuffle machine with a dealer that returns all the cards to the shuffler every hand, that is probably the best possible game to play. Math would tell us that. As I regularly say, I know a great deal about gambling, but I don't know everything. I'm just trying to learn everything. This is a good example of that. I had a question, I did the research, and learned something in the process. Hopefully some of you learned something as well. That's the, the idea here. Let's have a moment of casino wisdom next. I have something interesting, I think it's interesting, to share with all of you. Casino wisdoms combine information or knowledge about how casinos and or gamblers operate with an action to be taken in a variety of situations. I wanted to talk for just a little bit today about casino wisdom number 42, which is have a winning mindset or don't gamble. I know casinos and I know gamblers. I see so many people who don't have a winning mindset. They come to the casino expecting to lose, planning to lose, and surprise of surprises, they lose. They had a losing mindset and it created a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, the last part of the casino wisdom is a bit harsh or don't gamble. A more nuanced expression might be or don't gamble for profit. There's nothing wrong with a conversation between two people that goes like this. Hey, honey, we have some extra money to spend on fun this weekend. Want to go see a baseball game? No. Oh, OK. How about we go to dinner and see a play? Oh, that doesn't sound fun? What would you like to do then? Go to the casino? Okay, we can go lose that money at the casino if that's what happens. From a gambling for entertainment point of view, that's fine. I rarely gamble for entertainment. I gamble for profit mostly, occasionally for education or experimentation. I gamble with a purpose, and this casino wisdom addresses that idea. This casino wisdom is for people who want to be that rare percentage of people, that rare percentage of gamblers who go into a casino, win money, and leave. That's what this casino wisdom is meant for. But here's the thing I've been observing, and this is the mind twister. This is the, the brain bender. One of the biggest keys to having a winning mindset is knowing how to lose. I've shared this at some point in the distant past. I don't remember what episode, but one of my favorite moments in the HBO series Boardwalk Empire is when Lucky Luciano, known for always winning, has a horrible losing streak playing poker in a, an illegal casino owned by the main character, Nookie. And eventually he gets cut off from credit and finally leaves, and a member of his entourage is talking to Nookie, and Nookie says, no one likes to lose, but we all need to learn sometime. And that is so, so very true. For me, part of the key to having a winning mindset is knowing how to lose. I'll use a couple of things I do as an example. I'm playing a slot machine using TRG slot strategy, El Numero Dos. And that's from my Slot Tactics ebook, which you can download from the CasinoCombat.com website. I've pressed each of the buttons four times, and I've not won on any spin more than what was bet 
on that spin. There is still 60% of the money I put in the machine in the machine. I cash out, walk away, and record what I lost in my app. Losing is a data point. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not figuring out how to get that money back. I know it can and most likely will come back in a variety of ways, and I'm playing to win the month, not the machine. If I'm playing blackjack, my play stack is down to four units. I make a one-unit bet. I lose. I collect my play stack. I collect my win stack if there is one. I color up, leave the table, and record my loss in my app. But all the time, I see the opposite. I see the person with three chips in front of them. Instead of walking away, they go all in with the last three chips. They don't want to lose, but they don't have a winning mindset. They have not learned how to accept that small loss and move on. Sometimes that works out. Usually it does not. Usually it leads to an unplanned trip to the ATM or to more money being pulled out of a purse or a pocket because this person, like Lucky Luciano in Boardwalk Empire, has not learned how to lose. Last month, Mrs. TRG and I left blackjack tables having lost more times than we left blackjack tables having won. Yet, we won a lot of money playing blackjack despite that. We have a winning mindset. We are playing to win. And we know that means being mature enough Advanced enough as gamblers, if you will, that losing is going to happen. It is inevitable. But we are just going to treat that as a piece of information to be evaluated at some point in the future. If you want to develop a winning mindset, something critical to success at the game of casino gambling, learn how to lose and lose well. Learn how to lose under control. Learn how to lose and see that loss as a data point to be evaluated. That's very strange. That feels very backwards, but it's also very true. All right. We both traveled and gambled the past couple of weeks. Let me update you on that as part of our travel segment. I'm slowly accepting that real-world, post-pandemic, TRG is going to do about three episodes a month, not four as I would like. I have basically the first two weeks of February to talk about with you today. Very interesting weeks. Before the month started, I went over my promotions with all the various properties in the region. I saw that on February 1st and 2nd, I had some very nice promotions along one of my casino routes. So early on Tuesday morning, I started by heading west about an hour and a half to a My Choice property without a casino, but with a My Cash giveaway. My Cash is the My Choice free, tax free, imaginary money. I also received a really nice sized free bet. Unfortunately, despite the free bet, I took a seven unit loss playing blackjack and one of my favorite slot machines failed to produce a win. Not a good start to the month. I continued north about an hour. This is an area where our newest Inner Circle member, Story Wizard, sometimes does some gambling. It's part of the region that I continue to visit, trying to reach the point where one of the three casinos in the city is willing to comp us Saturday nights. There's a wonderful My Choice property here. I wasn't able to get a fully comped room even on a Tuesday, but they comped most of the room and put me on the top floor of the hotel. I received a nice amount of my cash just for walking in the door, and at the blackjack table, I had a comp bet, and I had to ask the pit boss to explain how it works. I've never encountered something called a comp bet before. It works like this. After the pit boss reviews everything in the computer, the amount of your comp bet is written on a cardboard disc a bit larger than a normal casino chip. 
that cardboard chip is placed on the table near the dealer and the dealer puts that amount of normal casino chips on top of the cardboard circle. So if your comp bet is $200, it's a cardboard circle with 200 written on it and two black chips. If it's $5, it's the cardboard disc and one red chip. When you as the player are ready to make that bet, you have to make the table minimum bet and then the comp bet, cardboard circle and all, is placed on top of your bet. And I was a little concerned when I heard that. The amount of my comp bet was almost six of my normal unit size, which was part of the attraction for visiting the casino. However, splitting and doubling multiple times would have created a fair amount of risk if I had to match the comp bet amount plus my normal wager. The dealer explained that if I wanted to double or split, I would only be allowed to match my portion of the wager. So that was a fair way to go. That was a reasonable thing to do. And unfortunately, it was a losing bet. It was a losing evening. I lost the comp bet. I lost at the two tables I played before a comp to dinner. Two of the three tables I played after dinner were also losing tables. I did, however, win money on both slot machines I played, and I received a nice amount of tier credits. I played a long time while losing. I just played a long time while losing. Not a good way to start the month. The next morning, I headed over to the MGM property nearby and won money on both slot machines I played and had a nice blackjack win to recoup about half of what I had lost the evening before. So now we're in better shape. The day after I returned home, our area was supposed to get hit with a lot of snow over the course of 48 hours. Despite the fact that in the morning there was only an inch or two of snow in the driveway, school was canceled for Mrs. TRG and most of my customers' companies were closed. So once I moved the snow out of the driveway, Mrs. TRG suggested we go to our local casino since we would both receive gift cards for a local grocery store. After we picked up our gift cards, I played some free slot play I was given, and then we joined Gabriel at the craps table, and between the two of us, we won more than a day's pay at the craps table hanging out with Gabriel. Mrs. TRG wanted to play her favorite slot machine before we left, and it generated a win of more than a day's pay. Just like that, after a rather short local visit, we had a small profit for the month. It was aggravating to lose money the following day after picking up my free bet and free slot play. As a team, we were about even for the week, but I was holding the team down. It happens. I can handle it. Still not my first choice. The following week, I gambled locally every day, picking up free stuff every day, and I even stopped for lunch, free slot play, and a lottery ticket at the local horse track and slot parlor. I won more than a day's pay every day. And again, this is casino combat as a job. Show up at the local casino, collect the free stuff, Try to win a day's pay or more and leave. If you don't do that, keep the loss small. It'll all work out at the end of the month, most month. This is exactly what I described doing in episode one of this podcast as part of the core concepts. This is exactly what I talked about. So gambled every week or every day of the week, won money every day of the week. We get to Friday. I do the same thing again. I won some money again. And then I get home in time to meet my wife so that we can start our Valentine's weekend with a comp tonight at Casino One, which is about two hours east and south of our home. I won enough money playing blackjack that evening to offset Mrs. TRG's losses, and we finished the evening winning money at the craps table, uh, both of us together combined. The following morning, after breakfast, we received some pre-bets and then some free slot play and won some money playing both blackjack and craps. We had a really interesting encounter that I want to share with you while playing our free slot play. It reinforces an idea of mine that 
I'm really starting to change my change my opinion on. I'm really starting to see things a little bit differently than than I normally have. And here's how it went. And then I'll explain what I'm changing my mind on. As I finished playing my free slot play using TRG Slot Strategy 1 and cashed out, which is inevitable since it's very difficult to not finish that strategy with some winnings. A, a gentleman and his wife commented that it's it's nice to win once in a while. And so I kind of went, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but I said, you know, that we finish most months with a profit after expenses. And he looked at me like I had three heads. And he says, what? So I repeated myself and I said, we finish most months with a profit after expenses. So now he says, from gambling? And I said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's kind of how it works. And now his eyes are getting kind of big. And he says, and you know your expenses? And I said, yeah. And at this point, his wife gets involved. And I'm presuming here, maybe it's just a woman he hangs out with. It's not his wife. What do I know? But I assume it was his wife because she gets involved and she looks at Mrs. TRG and she kind of has a look of pity on her face. And she kind of condescendingly says, is, is that what he tells you, honey? Mrs. TRG didn't miss a beat. Her reply was, well, he doesn't really have to tell me. I have access to all the numbers in the spreadsheet. This couple had no idea how to process all of this. So the conversation ended with them saying, enjoy your day. As I said, this was additional, additional confirmation for something that I've started to change my mind about. I've always thought that anyone can do this. That, if, that anyone that has what I know, that anyone that's given this information and understands it, can learn to win the game of casino gambling. I got the same reaction saying that we finish most months with a profit after expenses as I would have gotten from saying there are elephants flying across the sky outside. Actually, check that. No, I didn't. If I had said there are elephants flying across the sky outside, and then when asked to repeat myself, confirmed that yes, elephants were flying through the sky outside, the couple would probably have gone to check to see if they could prove that I wasn't a crazy person. Neither of them asked for confirmation. I mean, the woman just assumed I was lying to my wife and my wife believed my lies. I'm sorry, I, I am. I really expected at some point the gentleman was going to say, well, how do you do that? I thought he was going to ask the question, tell me how you managed that. I, I thought he'd say, I'd like to do that. And then I'd tell him about the podcast and another winner would be created. Instead, he acted kind of scared of the idea of winning regularly. And as we got far enough away from them that they couldn't hear us, I said to Mrs. TRG, I said, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That is a couple that probably cannot do what we do. So with that conversation on our minds, we left the casino. We left Casino 1 and headed to our home casino, Casino 2, which is about an hour from Casino 1. It makes it nice to hit both. Now, because it was Valentine's weekend, they were booked by the time I asked for a room, and they didn't have a room to comp us. But there's a hotel right across the driveway, and they had rooms for about one-third of a day's pay. And that was very reasonable. Our various free bets and free slot play over the course of the 24 hours we were going to be there very much exceeded the cost of the room. That was not a problem. Our home casino is a My Choice property. So we used some of the My Cash that I had received at the on the first day of the month on my trip by myself. We used that My Cash to enjoy a, a very nice Valentine's Day dinner at, uh, at the sports bar at the casino. This is an excellent example of working with a national brand as much as possible so that things received at one location can benefit you at another location. My choice from our home casino paid for our New Year's Eve dinner at Michael Irvine's restaurant at the Tropicana on the Las Vegas Strip. My cash from the first day of February paid for our Valentine's Day dinner two weeks later at our home casino. 
Those are both excellent examples of having casinos provide something for free that we would normally pay for if we were not good enough at the game of casino gambling to receive them as a comp. We played a lot of blackjack both Saturday night and Sunday morning. Over the course of the two days, we saw a familiar pattern. About the same number of winning and losing tables, but a nice profit at the end of the process. Mrs. TRG did give back most of her slot winnings from earlier in the week at a set of three losing slot machines, and that was unfortunate. Over the course of two weeks, I was in casinos every day except for one day, 13 out of 14 days, and I did some gambling in six different casinos in four different states. I started the month losing on the first day, but finished two weeks later, Valentine's weekend, with, with us up almost four days' pay as a team. I do want to talk to you about something I saw consistently regardless of the state I was in over those two weeks. I have come to the conclusion that there is a serious illness running through the blackjack playing population. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the internet, but I've started to call this illness risk reversing dementia or RRD. And this is how someone with RRD plays blackjack. If they reach a total of 16, sometimes even 15 or 14, and the dealer has a 9, a 10, or an ace showing, they stop taking cards. Often despite knowing the math says taking a card provides them the best chance to win. These players are being very conservative and don't want to be out of the game by busting before the dealer plays their hand. And I almost understand that. It's not conducive to winning, but I, I sort of understand it. This same conservatism often causes these same players to not double an 11 against a dealer's 10. In and of itself, not hitting a hard 16 against a dealer's 10 or not doubling an 11 against a dealer's 10 is, is not something to confirm a diagnosis of risk-reversing dementia. To confirm the diagnosis, you need to see one more kind of behavior. You need to see the same player that was previously too conservative get aggressive and do things like double an 8 against a dealer's 6 or a 7 against a dealer's 5. That's the confirmation that someone has RRD. They are afraid of making the plays they should make and then get overly aggressive, doubling or splitting things that they shouldn't. They have the risk analysis backwards in their brain. Again, not a doctor. Don't play one on the internet, but to the best of my knowledge, risk of reversing dementia is not contagious. You don't need to avoid playing with someone suffering from RRD unless their play creates negative emotions you don't want to deal with while playing your game. Okay, we have a guest waiting for us in the lounge. Let's go join them now. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Virtual VIP Lounge, where we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. Except today. For some reason today, we have no virtual orange soda, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure who messed up, but if virtual orange soda was your beverage of choice today, we are out. I apologize. You, you will need to pick some other virtual thing to enjoy. However, we have both still and sparkling water, as well as handcrafted locally bottled sodas and artisanal pops of a variety of flavors, just not orange. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't get that right. As well, we have all the virtual spirits you might want to enjoy. Real beverages are always encouraged if you are so inclined. A virtual one if you can't, but if you'd like to join me in something, I'll confess I enjoyed some red wine while talking with our guest. Actually, I should stop calling him a guest. He's become a part of the squad in so many, many ways. All right, everybody. We, uh, we are fortunate and blessed today to have uh, author extraordinaire Charlie Frere with us. He is the author of 
Casino Fun 101. He's he's joined me here in the virtual VIP lounge a couple of times, and uh, we thought we'd get together and, and have a chat again. Charlie, thanks for coming back again. Welcome. We really appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you for having me back. I look forward to our conversation. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, and, and I told you this a little bit before we got started, but I, I had a, a dealer tell me, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a dealer tell me that she knows when it's time to leave to the, the casino when she's gone to the ATM three times and lost all her money. And yeah. That, that reminded me of, of something from your book, and, and that was you, you talk in the book about gamblers being on tilt. And so that kind of reminded me of that. So I thought maybe we'd start with you giving the listeners uh, your sense of what being on tilt is, how it happens, that kind of thing. All right, I'd I'd love to, and I think it's a very uh, a very important distinction. Um, uh, if you're going to play casino games, it's really important for you to know about and understand what this is. Um, and it's a term that I I hear mostly in poker uh, with poker players talk about it. But uh, the truth is, you can be in tilt in any area of your life. It doesn't need to be even casino gambling you know it can be at work um or it can be with your friends so uh it's really one of those things that's much bigger than just playing casino games it's really something that applies to life and let me start off by reading my definition because uh, i i really like my my definition of it um and it's experiencing being on tilt or tilting is experiencing a reeling state of mind where emotions and feelings begin to influence the decision-making process. While tilting, a player plays more recklessly or below their normal ability. Basically, uh, you know, one way to talk about being on tilt would be that you get upset. And we all know when we're upset, we don't make the, mo- the, the often don't make the best decisions, but we get into a reactive mode. And that's really what uh, tilt is. Uh, it's when you start reacting and you're not doing what you said you'd do anymore, but you're now uh, uh, reacting and it's not thoughtful. It's not pre-planned. It's not, uh, it's more emotional and you're now, uh, you know, doing reckless things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Um, one, one last thing, what is tilting caused by? Well, there's a variety of things. Uh, but I would say very much uh, sometimes losing causes being on tilt, being upset causes being on tilt, having what you consider really bad luck, like you, you know, you win, you lose five hands in a row, and and you're just having the worst luck, and that'll put you on tilt. And one of the things that maybe is a little stronger in all those is when something happens that you didn't expect to happen, or you expected to win and you lost. A great example of that is uh, I was playing uh, craps a few weeks ago, and the the, thr- the person throwing the dice had sevened out or lost four four times in a row. So I'm going, okay, four times in a row is enough. He's going to win a hand now, and on the first throw he crapped out. So <laughs> oh, you know, so it's like, well, what do I need to do? And you start doing like that, and you know, life isn't fair. And and all of a sudden, you find yourself um, 
starting to do irrational things and not stay according to the way you know how to play, which is the best way. So that's right, that's explanation, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's uh, that's sometimes when that anger bet comes out, right? That I'm I'm so upset that I've 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 been betting one or two chips, and now suddenly I bet six or I bet seven chips, uh, right? Out of being out of being angry. You know, I've got a a, a, a good friend, uh, the Walking Wikipedia, and and he created uh, what I call Casino Wisdom Number Sixty Seven, and part of that is by his observation. He's a longtime gambler, but you know, he said to me, emotional control is perhaps the most important casino skill. Yes, and and that's kind of what you're you're uh, you're talking about here. And then I would observe, and, and you know, if you don't agree, say so. You know, being on tilt is is certainly most often, in my observation, a negative thing. But I've yes. seen people be on tilt from a positive thing as well. They they win oh, they win three four five hands. Yes, I think that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people get overconfident. Or they uh, they're winning so much they start doing really stupid stuff that way. Yep. So um, yep. that's also uh, I would agree with you. That is a version of tilt. And uh, um, you know I, I I put a plug for my book in here. I mean, Casino Fun 101 really is the, the whole book is the formula for how to deal with tilt. Um, you know how to, uh, it really it has suggestion after suggestion about um, how to eliminate tilt or how to uh, neutralize tilt so that it doesn't really affect your uh, playing experience because as soon as you go on tilt you do stop having fun you're no longer having fun and that's a that's a big sign right there that something's off if you're playing and not having fun because it's possible to play and lose and still have fun. That is possible. I love winning way more than I, lo- than I like losing, but I've learned that even losing can be fun, but, wh- but when I think I shouldn't be losing, uh, you know, I understand I'm going to lose. Some, I'm, I'm going to lose X number of hands or X number of times or X number of percent uh, because that's just the way it is. So that doesn't upset me. Um, and I I would rather win than lose, but I I know how to have fun even when I'm losing, which help which keeps me from going on tilts. Um, so that well, I think- uh, so that I don't start doing irrational things. I understand. Okay, part of the game is you're going to have these losing streaks. You know. Right. Well, you and you're you're very right. It, it, you <laughs> it, it is completely on point to say that the entire book Casino Fun 101 is about having a plan and executing your plan and not going on tilt, and the plan helps you do that. That's that's absolutely true. And then it, it's interesting that you say that losing is part of it. I uh, I said to, to an online friend several weeks ago that had, had just had a, a losing run, I said, if you do it right, losing is just data. That's right. It's, it's learning. Just, you know, it's what happened and why it happened. Uh, it's fascinating for for the month of January because uh, last episode I I just did the my my recap for January for my listeners and I actually my wife and I had one more losing blackjack table than we had winning blackjack tables we were almost yeah. exactly 
50-50, but we won a ton of money because the losses were very small. And, and yeah. the wins were allowed to go until they were over. We didn't get upset when we lost and try to get it back at that table. Um, yeah. And and so that very much illustrates the idea that yes, losing is part of the process, and and losing <laughs> losing can be fun as, as long as you can handle it, um, or or know to expect it. Maybe maybe that's a a, a big part of it too. Um. So. Yeah, and, and like I said, losing is learning. I, I mean, I cannot tell, you know, I am one of those people that I learn better through experience than by reading, <laughs> even though I've written a book. Um, <laughs> even though you wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, basically my book is, uh, the only reason I could write my book is I made all all the mistakes one can make, and then I wrote about, you know, don't make these mistakes. So, but um, um, I, I'd love to... Uh, take a minute and talk about what to do if you find yourself on tilt. That was um, absolutely my next my next thing I was going to suggest we talk about. That's perfect. Yeah, because I just think that's so important because you don't need to be a victim of this at all. Um, everyone goes on tilt at some point or another in something, you know, whether it's playing casino games or it's at work <clears throat> or wherever. And um, there are several things that uh, I'm going to talk specifically about what I talk about in, in my book, Casino Fun 101. But, uh, but these do, again, these apply to many areas of life, not just playing casino games. But <clears throat> to me, the best thing, well, first off, it's important that you recognize when you're on tilt. So <clears throat> a lot of times people will get on to tilt. Well, certainly I would get on to tilt, and I wouldn't even – no, I, I wouldn't even think about it. I would think it was kind of part of the normal process was to be upset and to be running around and be making these silly decisions, you know. That was part of the process. And at some point I began to learn, no, that's when I'm on tilt. And then I began to be able to take action to counteract the tilt rather than have it take me over, if you will. And the very, probably the, the biggest thing you can do, although it's not necessary, I found, but uh, at first, when you know you're when you realize you're on tilt, the best thing you can do is stop and walk away. That's the yep, very absolutely. best thing you can do. Just get up, and it's you don't you know you don't want to. It it doesn't feel, but you get up and walk away. And I'm telling you, an hour later, you're going to be so happy with yourself that you didn't go down that tunnel, because mostly disaster when you're on tilt mostly disaster happens. So, um, you know, if you can get up and walk away, and there's always another time to play. And that's one of the reasons in my book I stress it's important to have limits, both uh, winning, you know, stop it, losing limits, time limits, playing limits, that <clears throat> even if you, if you get on tilt and you don't know to walk away, if you have a time limit, the damage can only happen up to a certain time and then you'll quit. But you've got to be disciplined. I mean, one of the things that happens when I, I would go on tilt is my discipline would get thrown out the window and I would play longer than I should play and break the rules. So if you stick to the rules that you've made for yourself, tilt won't do a lot, can't do a lot of damage to you, and, uh, which all comes down to then preparation. 
that if you prepare before you go in a casino and you really have a plan, uh, it doesn't need to be this complex plan. You know, you go, I'm going to play for two hours till four o'clock and I'm going to risk $200. That's a plan. And if I lose $200 or I get to the two hours, I'm going to quit. And um, uh, that way, just that way, tilt can't hurt you too bad. But the best thing to do is even in the middle of a plan, if you find yourself on tilt, stand up, walk away, take an hour, go do something else. One of the ways I did that at the beginning, I don't do it as much anymore, but I always had a plan about what I would do if I had to leave early. So if I was going to go to the casino and play for four hours, but I went on tilt after two hours, I always had a plan, like, I'm going to go see that art show now. I would always have something I was going to do instead. So it wasn't just walking away. It was like, okay, I'll go do that for a while, and then I can come back. Right. So uh, those are ways to do it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I completely agree. I, uh, I, I often say, you know, there's that moment where you need to get mentally out of that, that gambling headspace for yeah. a variety of reasons, but, but Tilt is a great example. And I always say, go look at the fountains. Go to the pool and have a swim. Go. There's plenty of other things to do besides gambling. Get away from gambling. Think about something else. Get your brain doing something else, and then make decisions about um, more uh, more gambling. And I uh, I'll share this quick story with you. I thought about this while uh, while you were talking. I saw this happen just just yesterday um, at the craps table. Uh, it wasn't going well for for a gentleman. He was he was betting on the don't pass, and the shooters were throwing sevens and elevens and hitting points, just yeah. exactly what he didn't want. And he was you know his bet kept getting bigger and bigger because this can't keep happening. This can't keep happening, and it did keep happening. And he went through I'm going to say two thousand um, dollars, wow, fairly quickly over the course of half yeah. of one guy's throws. And he yeah. said, hey, mark my spot. He leaves, and he comes back with $200 and puts $50 on each of the hard ways. And I thought, this, this is not done from a place of emotional control. This is done from a place of, I just lost $2,000, and I've got to try to get it back. And yeah. this guy's yeah. throwing a lot of numbers. And, of course, immediately the guy throws a seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah, a great example of a of a tilt bet when he'd have been better off, as you said, going and looking at the art or going and, and looking at the fountain or, or getting something to eat or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's one indicator, I think, uh, that you're on tilt. So if you don't recognize when you're on tilt, one and everyone, by the way, goes on tilt. So I, there may be listeners out there that say, well, I never go on tilt. No, everyone goes on tilt at some point. So the the best thing about it is recognizing, and one of the things to re, you'll you to recognize that you're on tilt is if you start doing things like trying to win your money back. When everyone knows that's one of the worst moves you can make in a casino is trying to win your money back. Um, you're right, and, and trying to win it back right it. now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you're doubling your bets, tripling your bets, quadrupling your you know quadrupling your bets. Um, and, you know, remember, too, uh, what I love about, one of the things I love about casino gambling is 
that it does apply in life. A lot of these things that you do that are very uh, kind of, uh, you know, you have a microscope on it in a casino. It's very, like, specific to this game or whatever. But you can apply tilt to life, too. Like, you can get on tilt at work. You can get on tilt with your family. You can get on tilt. And all those things, if you start to recognize that, you start having more self-control and you start really being able to be more present and more there for what's really going on rather than in a reactive mode. So it's really something that's not only helped me in my uh, playing casino games, but it's really helped me in life uh, in terms of recognizing when I'm on tilt and being able to you know, walk away or take a break or calm down or even acknowledge, listen, I shouldn't talk with you right now because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on tilt and I'm going to say stuff I don't mean. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> right. No, an excellent, uh, an excellent observation. And, and then this is one of those things that after you've calmed down, as you're making those records that we've talked about in the past in some of our conversations, you know, that, that, what could I have done differently, you know, walk away because I was on tilt or something like Being honest enough with yourself after the fact to recognize that it happened and record yeah. it and reinforce it, I think will help, you know, you got to see your mistakes and you got to recognize your mistakes when they happen and, and then at the same time not beat yourself up over it. Um, right, right, right. Well, let me, let me throw so, this one. Okay. Sure, go ahead, please. Okay. Now, I was say, let me throw this one at you, and this is just something that's been kind of rattling around in my head. Um, I'm, I'm going to suggest that uh, a, a good a good indicator that you were on tilt is if you walk out of the casino feeling bad about something you did. If you feel bad about yourself, if you're mad at yourself, you 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 were probably on tilt. Does that sound right to you? That sounds right on to me, exactly right on. Yeah, and th- there's a difference between you made a mistake and you're kind and you're and you you're acknowledging you made a mistake and you're upset about something you did. You know, mistake you learn from and you grow, but there's things you do and you're just really upset. That that would definitely be uh, a form of being on tilt. Yep, I mean you should never, from my point of view, you should never walk out of a casino and be angry, upset, unhappy about the money you lost. Exactly, because that's part of the overall plan. Right. You know, you have a bigger plan than what happens in the moment. You you know, like, (laughs) that's the whole, I think that's such an important piece you just said, because, like, the way you and I play, we don't. We 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 uh, enjoy the short-term wins and we take the short-term losses, but we don't think of that as that's all of it. No, that's part of a much bigger plan. Like you said, you know, you you and your wife did. You know, you looked at a whole month. And right. when I play, when I play, it's much. It's part of a much much bigger plan than what happens that day or that hour or that hand. So. I understand that, you know, I understand variance and I understand that there's going to be some times when I can't do anything wrong and and I'm winning like crazy and I think it'll go on forever, which is never true. And then there's some times when I'm losing and I'm doing everything right, but I'm still losing. And that seems like it's going to go on forever. But no, those are just temporary trends. 
And over the long haul, you know, I, when you learn to think in the long term, you don't get upset by the little short-term things that happen. Yep, exactly. That's, uh, well, and, and that's just one of those things, and that's what you're trying to do with, with Casino Fund 101. That's what I'm trying to do with the podcast is show people yeah. who haven't yet figured out to take the long run, the long view, that, that that's really the way you need to see and evaluate things. And, and that's where when you go in and play, play two blackjack tables and a craps table and you don't win, and that was the plan was to play those three things, you go, eh, all right. Tomorrow, not next my week. day. Yeah, yep. not my day. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also uh, on the, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier, and I appreciate that you brought it up about the winning because uh, I'm sure you've gone through this too, where you start winning and winning and winning, and you think, oh my God, I could make, a, you know, I could become a millionaire doing this, and you start having all these grandiose thoughts. <laughs> right. And that, well, also you, you, is, that also is a dangerous thinking pattern. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. You you can end up on tilt that way because all of a sudden the plan becomes, well, I won yesterday and I won the day before. Or I won last week and I won the week before, and I'm just going to win this week because I'm just that good and this is going to be fine. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet triple to win triple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's true. And and it, I, uh, I I will probably uh, play that back to myself several times because I've uh, I, I have I have been on a bit of a streak um, where just you know literally almost every day, five days a week, um, you know I I leave with more than I came in with, and and you're right. It is it is so easy to start feeling you know, like the man of steel or the woman of steel for that matter. Um, right. And that's not true either. That's not right. That's not, that's not real. That's not going to continue indefinitely. It sure feels like right. it is in the moment though. It feels really good in the moment. But, yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, but you're, you're, you're right. That's that, that one needs to be avoided as, as, as well. That's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, right. I I think that probably times out about right. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining yeah, us again. One, we we one really appreciate thing. it. Can I, sure. can I say one last thing? I just, of course. <laughs> I just really appreciate being on the podcast, and um, I do want to uh, steal an opportunity here. I just um, really invite. I, I have a couple things to ask your um, listeners. Um, if I know a lot of your listeners have purchased my book, which I really appreciate. And, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's really made a difference to me. If the people that have purchased the book, if you would be so kind, to, uh, if you purchased the book on Amazon in particular, to take a few minutes and go rate it and even write a review, that'll make a big difference to me. I'm trying to get Amazon to actually promote the book on its own, and uh, I'm close to doing that. Um, if I get a few more reviews and a few more people... Uh, purchase the book through Amazon. So um, just I put that out there too, and uh, I just appreciate being able to say that. Oh, absolutely, and and it, it's a it's a great book, and I think anybody that picks it up will enjoy it. And if they do, they should certainly uh, throw some some positive comments your way. Uh, and if you're gonna if if they're gonna buy the book on Amazon, 
They could help me out by going to CasinoCombat.com. The book is featured prominently in the TRG Recommends section, and there's a link there to Amazon, and uh, I will get a few pennies off of that purchase as well. So if Amazon's the way they're going to go, that they could help both of us that way, which would, would be excellent. But uh, oh, you know, I, uh, I know, I know, I, uh, I, I did write a review. I did rate the book highly because it deserves to be rated highly. It deserves to be read. Uh, so excellent, excellent. This is this has been great. Thanks once again. It's always great to talk to you, and I, I'm sure we'll do this again at some point in the future. All right, man. Thank you so much. Great talking with you. I always appreciate Charlie stopping by the virtual VIP lounge and sharing his time with us. Not only was Charlie generous with his time, he has also agreed to allow me to give away an autographed copy of his book, Casino Fun 101. I put this out through our social media last week. If you didn't see it, the contest works like this. When this episode is published, you have 24 hours to send an email to me, trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, and put Casino Fun 101 in the subject line. 24 hours after the episode is published, we will pick one email address at random and send them an autographed copy of Casino Fun 101. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.